Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. The first ever teacher strike of its kind underway in Portland, Oregon. What was accomplished in the SAG after deal? Quite a lot, I might add. And today on the show, we focus on the Veterans in Piping program and the North Coast Labor Federation. Welcome to the Thursday, November 16th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. Our first guest is Mike Hazard, and he is the program manager of the Veterans in Piping program. Here is the website, uavip.org. Mike is a veteran of the U.S. Navy and a 20-plus year member of the United Association of Plumbers and Pipe Fitters. And as I indicated, he's the program manager. This is a great program. It was started uh, some years back. Michael, give us the details on that. But the bottom line is this. The, uh, the UA, the United Association, established this program to equip military service members preparing to leave the service with the skills that can lead to lifelong careers in the pipe trades. And there's a lot of opportunities right now. These are 18-week accelerated courses provided free of cost on military bases across the country. In addition to a veteran unemployment, this program was created to address the growing shortage in the construction industry of skilled workers due to the combined efforts of, well, we have the aging workforce, more demand, and just a lack of skills for uh, young people today. So it is working, and we want to make it work better. And Mike, I'll tell you, he knows the nuts and bolts of this program. He's going to get into it. And this is all part of uh, National Apprenticeship Week. It's the ninth annual National Apprenticeship Week. On Monday, it was kicked off, and they were focusing on uh, apprenticeships for youth. Then Tuesday, emerging industries. Yesterday, underserved populations. Today, the focus is on women in registered apprenticeships. And tomorrow, veterans and federal employees. And the theme is Registered Apprenticeship, the Superhighway to Good Jobs. And yesterday, the uh, Department of Labor announced the availability of $98 million in funding to support the delivery of pre-apprenticeships in high-demand industries, and that includes construction, that's number one, healthcare, information technology, and hospitality. Funded through the department's Youth Build Program, the grants will help provide educational guidance, occupational skills training, and employment services to disadvantaged young people. They're talking about ages between 16 and 24, and they're focusing on communities where there are barriers to academic and career skills. How many times, we have said this on the show, if you target those communities, that is the pathway to the middle class, and there are so many good jobs. How many times we talked to uh, Dorsey Hager on the show about Central Ohio? They've got jobs going twenty years out right now, and uh, they're not alone. Parts of Arizona, Texas, same same situation. 
So uh, Mike Hazard's going to be our first guest. Pat Gallagher will be joining us on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation, which covers a good chunk of northeastern Ohio, Cuyahoga, Lake Lorraine, Geauga, and Ashtabula counties. And they're one of nearly 500 state and local labor councils that make up the uh, AFL-CIO. We'll talk about the election last week, and we'll talk about what may happen in 2024. I know it's very early, but I know labor is uniting around Senator Sherrod Brown, who is up for election next year. And boy, they are targeting him big time. And we're also going to talk about the passing of uh, Tom Conway. We, we've done a couple of uh, interviews over the last couple of weeks about the late president of the United Steelworkers. And Pat Gallagher was one of many who knew Tom well, so he'll reflect on that as well. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Teacher strike going on at Portland Public Schools. That's Portland, Oregon. It's the first ever of its kind there. And we're into day number nine, making it the longest teacher strike among recent ones in Seattle, Los Angeles, and Vancouver, Washington. Around 45,000 students have been out of class since the beginning of this month, November 1, when the Portland Association of Teachers, better known as PAT, called a strike to negotiate with the Portland School District for pay increases, improvements to school facilities, and increase in mental health specialists for students, especially those with learning disabilities. Now, if the teachers do not return to work by today, they will become ineligible, I should say, for the district-provided health insurance. However, the uh, Association of Teachers, PAT, announced that the Oregon Education Association is willing to pay for the cost of enrolling all of its teachers in the federal COBRA program. That's, that's expensive, but at least they're getting health care. The, uh, the union's bargaining teams have been continually meeting with the district since the beginning of the strike, hoping for some kind of uh, resolution. By the way, educators across the state of Oregon are facing similar labor strains with over 70 districts, 70, engaging in contract negotiations this school year alone. We're getting some more details on the uh, SAG-AFTRA national contract, which is now in the hands of the union's membership. The National Board approved the tentative agreement. And uh, just a quick rundown here. Well, first of all, the board approved the tentative agreement by a majority of 86% to 14%, and they recommended a yes vote. The deal provides what they say meaningful protections around the use of artificial intelligence. That was a big issue, including informed consent and compensation for the creation and use of digital replicas for their members, living and deceased. How about that? The agreement includes an unprecedented wage pattern with two wage increases in the first year of the contract, 7% once it's ratified, another 4% increase effective in July of next year. And when you put those two together, you're talking 11.28%. There'll be another 3.5% increase effective July of 2025. Wages for background actors will increase by 11% 
effective this week, and then by an additional 4% effective July of 2024 and another 3.5% effective July 1 of 2025. That's pretty significant, too, because I'll have you know, 80%, 80%, so what's that, 4 out of 5 of SAG-AFTRA members make less than $27,000 a year. There's this perception that if you're an actor or actress, you're making a whole lot of money. Yes, there are some that make a whole lot of money, but the bulk of them do not. 80%. So the And those are the background actors. Um, let's see what we have here, too. In uh, a monumental breakthrough for the first time ever, the number of covered positions in the West Coast zones will equal those in the East Coast zones. And this is projected at about maybe eleven to 12,000 new covered background work days on an annual basis. Sounds pretty good. I got a comment here from a Fran Drescher. She is the president of SAG-AFTRA. She said, I was determined to redefine SAG-AFTRA as not only the largest entertainment union in the world, but the most powerful. And now... Now that we have forged the biggest deal in industry history, which broke pattern, established new revenue streams, and passed a historic $1 billion-plus deal with the most progressive artificial intelligence protections ever written, I feel pretty confident in saying that this is a paradigm shift of seismic proportions. That's the comment from Fran Drescher who is the president of SAG-AFTRA. We also got to give a shout-out here to uh, Starbucks workers, who many of them are striking today. Today is Red Cup Day, which is an annual promotional event when the company gives out free holiday-themed cups. Well, there are more than 350 Starbucks locations that have unionized. They don't have a contract yet. But they announced earlier this week that they are coordinating a nationwide strike, which is happening today with Starbucks Workers United, which represents those workers at the uh, 350 Starbucks locations. So uh, coffee delivery might be slow in some areas today. All right, we have to take a quick break. Mike Hazard on behalf of Veterans in Piping coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today 
Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong. And fighting for what's right. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be awfpodcast.com. awfpodcast.com. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. I'll be emceeing a great event tonight in uh, downtown Cleveland, Ohio, at the uh, Great Lakes Science Center, and that is the unsung heroes of the labor movement. I love doing this because the stories are so compelling about people that work behind the scenes. They don't get the accolades during the year or the so many years that they've been doing this, so they are handpicked by the ULA management team, and they tell their stories, and they get awards. Unsung heroes of labor. Looking forward to that. Right now, I'm looking forward to our uh, next guest here, and that is Mike Hazard, who is the program manager of a wonderful program. It's all part of the United Association, Veterans in Piping. We just commemorated and celebrated Veterans Day a couple days ago. And uh, Mike is here to talk about the program and talk about his journey. Now, this is interesting because Veterans in Piping, they target military service members to come into the pipe trades. Now, with Mike, and you can explain this to our listeners, Mike, you were already in the UA, then you went to the Navy, and then you went back into the UA. Talk to me about that. I guess you had a lot of members in your family that were part of the United Association. Is that is that the deal? Yeah, that's right. Hey, thanks for having me on, Flash. Um, yeah, so when, when I graduated high school, um, I was kind of born into the Navy, or into the uh, UA. So I knew that's what I wanted to do right out of high school. I went into the trades and started working. And after uh, about a year and a half or so in the field, I decided, you know, I, I wanted to serve my country. So I did. I joined the Navy and had a great time, had an awesome job in the Navy, loved it. Um, but there came a time where it was time to transition out. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to go back into the UA and, and back into the field and, and work with my 
um, UA brothers and sisters, and um, there's so many um, similarities between the trades and the military. You know, uh, working in teams and and uh, being part of a uh, a group that's on a mission to to build something or complete something, and um, it was just a natural fit for me. And uh, when you when you came out of the Navy, when did Veterans in Piping was that program alive and well, or did that happen under your under your tenure there? Yeah, no, there was there was no program like VIP or even Helmets to Hard Hats at that time. Um, yeah, I, I transitioned out in um, 1999, and um, you know I, I knew my pathway, and that's what makes me so passionate about being part of VIP is is you know um, promoting this pathway and exposing it to to our military service members um, and educating them about registered apprenticeship and and um, it it's kind of funny because it's how they learn the jobs in the military too by hands-on training classroom training um, and uh, out there doing it and getting paid while you're doing it and, and so it's it's the same learning style or, um, you know, program that, that the military uses. Um, mm-hmm. and so it, it's a great fit. And, um, so many military members, um, have jobs in the military that, um, don't necessarily have skills that translate to the civilian workforce. So VIP provides that skills training. And when you couple that with the the skills that they develop in the military, you know, uh, dependability, uh, they're eager, they're, they're teachable, uh, they're just looking for an opportunity, um, and, and we provide that pathway, and it's just, it, it works. It works fantastic. You know, we've been doing VIP since 2008, and um, we have a great track record. We've uh, we graduated over 3,150 military service members from the VIP program. And those are people that left the military with guarantees from the UA. That is direct entry into the apprenticeship program, which is a big deal. Um, there's, there's no waiting in line. Um, that's, that's all taken care of by, by the uh, 720 hours in the VIP program and, and guaranteed employment. We talk about, you know, before they get out, when do you want to start working? Where do you want to work? And we coordinate all that. So it's a seamless transition right into our apprenticeship program. Well, congratulations on, on the 15 years there. Started in 2008 and now 3,150 graduates of the program. That That's awesome. Why don't, why don't we use this opportunity? We've got a pretty, you know, since you and I last talked, <laughs> this show has really grown, really grown. We are now in the top 1% of all podcasts in the world. And there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's like 2 million podcasts. And uh, so we're, we're obviously we're reaching uh, not just America, but around the world, which is exciting. And it's cool. I've been doing this show for 25 years, and we've only been podcasting for three of those years. And the beginning of this year, it was like 15%, then it was 10%, 5%, and now we're in the top 1%. And there's a lot of good things happening in labor, as you know, a lot of organizing going on in, in industries. I was just talking about Starbucks workers. I mean, we, we didn't hear of a union a couple of years ago, and they're striking today. UAW, Teamsters, I just talked about the SAG-AFTRA agreement, a lot of good things happening. Let's talk about 
Veterans in Piping. And those of you listening, here's the website. It's uavip.org. There's a lot of good information right there, uavip.org. But you know the mechanics of this. You built this program. Talk to me about, well, it, it starts in military bases. Let's start, let's start right there. It, it, you, you're right on military bases. And, and how, maybe you can talk about the construct of that, the, uh, of, uh, of what's going on. Sure. Uh, yeah, our, our military partners, uh, back, you know, when we first started this program, we started this pilot program with the Marine Corps at Camp Pendleton. And it, it, I appreciate you saying I built this program, but this was a lot of people working together that, that put this program together. And, um, one was, uh, at the time, uh, uh, the commandant of the Marine Corps, Jim Amos and, um, major general Matt Caulfield working with, uh, the UA leadership in uh, conveying to the Marine Corps what we wanted to do. We want to come in. We want to train your Marines uh, while they're on active duty and provide a seamless transition. Um, and, uh, you know, we had actually been running the VIP program before that um, with uh, uh, an audience of um, veterans, you know, of reservists, guardsmen, uh, and civilian veterans. And, um, that, that model, um, did not produce the results that we had anticipated. And, um, we ended up, uh, you know, graduating about half of the people that we'd start with just because even though the training is free, um, most people can't go, you know, 18, 17 weeks without a, a paycheck, uh, while they're learning this program, um, even though it provides direct entry and a job afterwards, uh, we would lose a lot of people. And so uh, once we hit the, the ground running with the pilot program, we knew right away that um, it was a better learning environment. We're getting in front of the, the issue. Um, and um, so from that, from that point forward in 2008, we, we said, you know, we want to transition our VIP program to a active duty military transition program. And, um, at the time, it was the Vow to Hire a Hero Act of 2011 when that came about, um, and that was the UA working with um, uh, congressional leaders uh, through legislation that made this all possible. It, it has completely changed the way military members transition from the military. Um, you know, now they're leaving with guarantees, and um, it, it's it it avoids that downward spiral that many veterans fall into mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we think we're going to get out of the military. We're going to go back home and, and everything's going to be the same. There's going to be all these great jobs. And, and sometimes it works out that way, but a lot of times it doesn't. And, um, uh, you know, going from being in charge of millions of dollars of equipment and having uh, these, these fantastic uh, admirable missions that we're, on and completing and and all of a sudden now we can't find a job you know um so that's what we're trying to avoid here and uh, we've done it uh, i i was just at um congress a couple weeks ago testifying about skill bridge dod skill bridge which vip is a dod mm -hmm. skill bridge program um and and how we need to support that um and just like we need to support registered apprenticeship um and that's what this week is all about, you know, recommitting to supporting registered apprenticeship and 
And uh, VIP is somewhat of a pre-apprenticeship program. You know, it prepares our service members for uh, the apprenticeship program, and and it, it's a great model. It, 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 there's so many guarantees. It's it's good pay while you learn. So rather than going to college and incurring a bunch of debt for tuition, you're you're getting paid while you learn on the job. And there's benchmarks along the way that provide wage increases throughout the apprenticeship program. And service members can access their GI Bill benefits if they want to while they're in registered apprenticeship. And that provides a couple thousand dollars a month in their pocket uh, to cover living expenses and, and help them restart in their new careers. Um, so there's just a lot of great tools in place, and, and we're trying to educate uh, as many military service members and leaders as we can about these opportunities. Um, and we, we really just believe in it. I believe in it. I got skin in the game. Uh, I know it works. Um, and uh, it's beautiful to be able to provide this opportunity that's really a life-changing uh, opportunity for so many service members. You know, we got to give a shout out here to the United Association. I didn't realize this. I'm just looking at your website right now. The UA, and this goes back to 1936. 1936, the UA was recognized as operating the first nationally registered joint apprenticeship program in the United States. That's pretty cool, especially now that we're celebrating. This is National Apprenticeship Week, so definitely congratulations to the UA on that, and of course the the VIP program uavip.org is a website. Like I said, a lot of good information there. I got some more question for you, Mike Hazard, joining us on our live line today. Twenty four year member of the United Association, twelve years in the military, serving the U.S. Navy. We'll continue with him. Pat Gallagher, on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation, will be joining us later in the show. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. 
This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. This next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. By the way, I want to give a shout-out here to uh, the folks we had on the show yesterday, and that was John LaConch and Bernadette Rivera, and they were part of the Lyuna training program. Lyuna is our presenting sponsor here, and, you know, this is part of National Apprenticeship Week. We're focusing on some of the big names here in the trades, and Lyuna is definitely at the top of the list. And uh, what I failed to mention at the end of the show is uh, there's a program. You might want to check this out. It's called the Learn Program. The website is liunatraining.org, liunatraining.org. But uh, there was a lot of emphasis, especially in a segment in that we did with Bernadette about the Learn Program. And uh, I've been reading more about it. It sounds fantastic. So you might want to check that out. Let's go. Back to our live line right now, rejoin um, Mike Hazard. Mike is the program manager of another great program, and that's the VIP program. VIP stands for Veterans in Piping, UAVIP.org. And this is a program that began 15 years ago, 2008, and since that time, 3,150 military members have uh, went through the program, and they're working in great jobs right now. Mike, take me back to that time when you started working with the military. And, you know, I mean, this, the military is part of our government. You know, let's be honest here. Sometimes when you try something new, people are scratching their heads. What are you doing here? What, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And there's a lot of there's a lot of red tape. Let me let me put it that way. How how was that when you approach them? And maybe you could guide me through the years because once it started, well, obviously some things changed. There's a couple of hiccups there. Fast forward, here we are today. So take me back to that time, Mike. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I can remember the, the first day we walked into uh, the office of the uh, commanding officer at Camp Pendleton, and um, <clears throat> we pitched the idea of, of VIP and um we were going to come in and train uh, his Marines and, and prepare them for an apprenticeship. And we were going to guarantee everyone who graduates the program that we'd provide direct entry and employment on a start date that they, um, that they request. And um, they didn't think we could do that. Uh, They didn't believe us. And um, you know, we kept all our promises and we have to this day promises have been kept. And, um, we made believers out of the military and um, you know, once you go in and, and you pitch an idea and you're successful uh, you gain a lot of credibility and and we have great military partners uh, through VIP across the country. Um, You know, like I said earlier, when we first started the program uh, we knew right away that this was the model um, and uh, it was going to be successful. Uh, and by the way, the UA pays all expenses 
with VIP. We pass no costs on to the United States government or our um, students that are in our program. Um, that's an investment that the UA is, uh, uh, is committed to and recommitted to years, um, year, years back. And um, we're, we're going to be there forever with VIP. And um, it's just the right thing to do. We, we believe that our military service members deserve every opportunity that we can provide for them um, because they served our country. They provided us with, with freedom, and um, we, we don't take that lightly. Uh, we, we don't feel that any service member should, should stand in an, in an unemployment line. Um, they should be out there working if that's what they want to do. And, uh, you know, VIP has been, been excellent, and it, it was 2010, right after we first started, that uh, – the Marine Corps came in and said, hey, wait a minute. You know, the lawyers got involved and said, um, you cannot be on a military installation and train active duty military service members for a job outside the military. Uh, uh-huh. there's, there's, there's nothing that says that that's permissible. Um, so they determined that it was not permissible, and, they, and we, we got shut down, and that's what spurred the the legislation drive through Congress with the Vow to Hire a Hero Act. And um, that legislation went through Congress in record time. I believe it was 42 days. Uh, and uh, at the time, President Obama signed that legislation, and um, we were off and running. And once the Army got a hold of the Vow and, and Skillbridge, and uh, we were the first ones at the Army, VIP, and we established a program at Joint Base Lewis-McChord up in, in Washington State. Um, that was the home state of Senator, still is the home state of Senator Patty Murray, who was a big pusher of, of VIP and Skillbridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the Army just wanted to know how, how many soldiers we could train, how many programs we could put up, and, and could we do it bigger and faster. And it, it was just amazing. Um, you know, and that was all based on the reputation that we built with the with the Marine Corps in the early days. And um, you know, the Marine Corps, the Army, the Navy, um, the Air Force, Space Force, Coast Guard—they're all involved now, um, and they're all a hundred percent behind uh, providing this opportunity. Um, but like like VIP, you know, we we are competing for some of the greatest workers available in our country. And that's our departing military service members that are coming back into the civilian workforce. And, um, the military wants to keep them too, you know, so, and we support that. We support reenlistment. Uh, we're, we're just as concerned with military retention as, as the military is. And we really feel that Skillbridge is, can be used as a recruiting tool. Um, you know, it, Imagine the the military recruiter talking to the parents of a young uh, uh, man or woman and explaining to them, hey, we're going to take your son or daughter, and we're going to put them in boot camp. We're going to train them. They're going to serve their country, um, and and they're going to be proud. And by the way, uh, the last six months that they're in, they can enter into these job training programs that provide guaranteed employment when they exit the military. It's just a full circle, and I, I, I believe we believe that this is this could be used as a great recruiting tool for the military. Uh, what we're doing, you know, through VIP and Skillbridge, and um, that's kind of where we are today. You know, um, yeah. over the 15 years, we've we've 
we've changed our program to, to fit the needs of, of uh, the industry and the UA, making it better uh, based on feedback from our military partners and our students that have graduated. You know, we, we uh, track all our VIP graduates uh, for retention purposes and feedback purposes. You know, how well did the VIP program prepare you for, for the job? You know, and we've made changes to our program based on that feedback uh, from, from all angles. So um, we just feel like our program is getting better, you know, every year. Um, and, and like I said, we're committed to this. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We know this is a great model. We've been doing a, a registered apprenticeship since 1936, and hopefully someday somebody will be talking about how long, you know, we've been doing VIP for 80 years or 100 years. You know? So yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's just a great model. I'm excited to be part of it. So proud of the UA for, for our commitment um, and uh, our vision for our military service members and, and our workers. Um, it, it's just a, a great way to transition out of the military and provide uh, a great pathway to the middle class for our military service members, you know, a great pay, great benefits that can support a family. And yeah. um, it works. I, I, no I doubt. Proof of that. Yeah. No doubt. And I'm telling you, those of you listening, go to that website, uavip.org. And I always say, follow the stories, listen to the stories and follow the people that have gone through the VIP program and how this program has changed their lives. I want to switch gears here a little bit because uh, you and I have talked about your member assistance program over the years. And sadly, there's a lot of vets that they, they have not found a program like VIP. They have not connected with a good job. They're isolated. Sometimes uh, you're dealing with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder issues. There's, there's, a, there's a problem out there. You're very well aware of that on any given day. And we talked about this a lot with the American Legion. Uh, what is it, 17 or 18 vets commit suicide. You have a, uh, a member assistance program at the, at, the, at the VIP program, Veterans in Piping Pro. Can you touch on that briefly? Because I know this is a very passionate issue for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, I, you know, we have experienced loss um, um, to suicide through uh, the VIP program, and, and these are young young service members that, showed no signs of any kind of um, issues or struggle. And they were top performers in the VIP program. They went to their local unions and, and they were working, they were busy, they were, they were excellent. Um, and um, then we, we lose them to suicide and all the questions start uh, floating around, you know, um, how could we have uh, recognized this and what could we have done to prevent it? And, um, you know, we, we just, basically got tired of crying about this and decided we were going to do something about it. And I, um, I found, uh, Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas, um, uh, about four years ago, I attended a, uh, suicide awareness and prevention workshop, um, with her, um, in Ohio at a fire station with a bunch of firefighters and police officers and one construction guy, that was me. Um, and, uh, the skills that I developed there, were exactly what I needed. I think a lot of us want to help with this issue, but we just don't know how to start. Mm-hmm. And and that's what this this course gave me was the tools to not only recognize uh, changes in people, 
um, and concerning changes and, and not dismissing them as disciplinary issues, but trying to find out the root cause of why. Because, um, you know, the, the program's all about the, work, the people you work with, and we spend a lot of time together, and we start to see changes in people um, that are not for the good, and how, how to address that with them, how to start a conversation, and then how to be a bridge to mental health resources um, or whatever resources are needed uh, to help them. And a lot of times, it, it's just being a, an ear, you know, and being a good listener and um, letting people know that, hey, I care about you, I want you to be successful, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this journey with you. You know, it's not being a counselor, it's not being a problem solver, it's just being there with your brothers and sisters and saying, hey, I got your back. You know, I got your back, and we're going we're gonna to figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it's, it's been very successful in the VIP program. Uh, we trained all of our instructors in uh, our goal with our instructors and, and our VIP program was to create a help-giving, help-seeking working environment where people felt comfortable and safe in asking for help. Um, and it's been very successful, not only in the program, but in, in our personal lives. We still meet every quarter with Dr. Sally, and we do training, um, and we, we share stories about some of the issues we may have dealt with in our program, um, so we can all learn from them. And just last summer, uh, we rolled out the VIP MAP training to the entire UA. So we developed uh, two 20-hour training classes, and it's all about building your mental health literacy and um, being aware of uh, the resources, mental health resources, and and being a bridge, you know, to those resources. And um, it's been wild, wildly successful. Our our UA members want this. We we partnered with uh, the Mechanical Contractors Association of America. That's our, our uh, you know our our uh, contractor group that the UA um, is is partners with, and and we're shoulder to shoulder on this issue, and and we're hitting job sites. We're we're providing training to um, as many workers as we can. Uh, we have a peer support implementation program that we developed, and that's 2024. We're rolling that out, and this is all about building uh, peer support networks within each local union. Uh, across the United States and Canada. Canada is years ahead of us in this issue, and we're learning from them too, and, and they're helping us. We're partners in this. And I, I couldn't be more excited about um, about the, the progress we've made. You know, so many people are affected by this mental health crisis in our country. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, Dr. Sally. We did a show with her, and she brought up your name. This was in September, and we were... Uh, focusing on Suicide Prevention Month. So, yeah, hats off to what you have done with her and what you've done to bring that into the uh, the UA program, the VIP program. Mike Hazard, Program Manager of the Veterans in Piping Program, UAVIP.org. Do check out that website for all that information. You, uh, you stay in touch with us. Uh, you mentioned 2024. Some things are going to happen. Let's do this again, okay, brother? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Pat Gallagher on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. 
Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters, we care for our nation's veterans, and we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers, and we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be a WF Union podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you by the North Coast Labor Federation and... We got the head man on our live line right now. That would be Mr. Pat Gallagher, Labor Federation, one of nearly 500 state and local labor councils of the AFL-CIO. Pat Gallagher, okay, everybody in the mainstream media, and I, sometimes I try to shy away from the mainstream media because sometimes they don't get the story straight and they don't talk enough about worker stories. But the big story this week was a possible confrontation between Sean O'Brien president of the Teamsters and the senator from Oklahoma who uh, comes from the mixed martial arts category. And <laughs> the best part of it was Bernie Sanders had to break it up. <laughs> so, so, Pat Gallagher, you've been in labor a long time, almost three decades. Anything remotely happened like this to you? Well, it's never happened when I've been up in you know Washington for congressional hearings on the Steel Caucus or – any events like that, but during negotiations, sometimes there's some heated uh, heated discussions, and I had a lawyer once challenge me uh, to uh, an arm wrestling contest, which I declined and told uh-huh. him that, you know, I don't think that's the way to settle our differences, and uh, then he proceeded to try to go me into a fight, which, uh, you know, we just ignored, so sometimes those things do happen in the labor movement, and you know, you can't back down, but you got to try to maintain your professionalism. And I think Sean did 
pretty well when he did that. He told uh, you know, Mullen to stand up, and Mullen was a, you know, clearly the aggressor in the situation. So I think he uh, did well. I mean, they call this union thug. Look at this. This is a United States senator threatening a union president. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just, and, you know, it's just amazing the, the, the amount of hostility there is. It's, it's I, you know. I just can't believe it. I think it's all because of gerrymandering. Everybody just plays at our base and thinks that's what their their supporters want to see. So it's just yeah, yeah. It's a sad state of affairs. You know, I'm so glad you brought up gerrymandering because let's talk, if you don't mind, what happened at the polls in the state of Ohio. Obviously, you know, what what happened was was clearly a a progressive or democratic win, especially with the issues which shows a different side of Ohio. You know, we're, we're pretty much recognized as a red state now. Why? Because of gerrymandering. And, and the populace, I, I think it's like something, what, maybe 54% Republican, 46%. But, you know, in the legislature, it's way different. It's like uh, two-thirds or maybe 70% Republican. And I know there's, a, there's good, hopefully there'll be an issue on the ballot next year to, to kind of change that. But what's your what's your thoughts on the polls? And also, you know, twenty twenty four is right around the corner here, and all eyes are on Sherrod Brown. I'd like to get your what's your thoughts on that. Well, the Ohio AFL-CIO, you know, President Tim Berg has scheduled a meeting for all the leaders of the CLCs and Area Labor Federation for December fifth, and to talk a little bit about our twenty twenty four campaign and our strategy. And you know, I mean, I believe our number one priority has got to be to. Uh, we elect Chair Brown, the United States Senate. I think that's uh, where we got to really, you know, step up and do that. It is a presidential election; it'll be very important. But we can't let Chair's race get, not get the attention that it deserves. And we need to keep him in Congress. He's the voice for working people, conscious of the Senate, and we need to keep him in there really bad. And I know that's going to be a big priority and something that we're going to discuss down at this meeting and hopefully, you know, develop a plan to keep Chair in office. Pat, were you at all surprised by what happened at the polls and also turnout? Maybe you could touch on that as well. Well, I mean, it just goes to show that if we get if we can get a good turnout, we can you know we can win in the state of Ohio. If you look at both the last issue ones, the one in the special August election and the one that we just had in the general election here, the turnout was above normal, and that's I think what did it. If we can get the message out and our people out, we can't be successful statewide in Ohio. I think that. That shows us that working people still have a voice. So it's it's very important that we, you know, and we got to reach across lines, too. We just can't just concentrate on our base. We need to get out there. We need to talk to everybody about the issues and, and just talk in a common sense manner. And hopefully we can, you know, move people around. So that's the approach that we have to take. I think it's important, too, that we get more labor brothers and sisters to run. I, I was uh, talking with Tim Berga the other day, and there were two, 202 labor-endorsed candidates in the state of Ohio, labor-endorsed, not necessarily meaning they're in a union. Of that group, about 40 of them were union members. But uh, out of that 202 labor-endorsed, 161, and the 40 union members, out of the 40, 27 won. So that's a very good sign, a very good sign. We just need more of that. I want to switch gears here a little bit. Tom Conway, we've talked about him on the show a number of times here since his passing, and I guess he'd been sick for a couple of months, so 
those inside the steelworkers wow. knew what was happening. I had a really good conversation uh, last month with Dave McCall, who is now the president of the steelworkers, and he shared me shared with us some stories about Tom. I know, Pat, you worked with him very closely. I'm sure we could probably do a whole show on stories about Tom Conway. Maybe you could throw us one or two real quick, okay? You know, Tom was a great guy and uh, was really uh, a big supporter of working people. And and I've known Tom for 35 years, and he was, you know, always always willing to work and always willing to start for the people. Uh, Most of the stories I got about Tom I probably can't say on the air. But uh, we've had some some good times, and you know, and he was very very good at making comments uh, during negotiations and about you know proposals that the company would make, and he'd come out with uh, a very good remark. Uh, one time he he told him he said, "How do you think that's going to work out when everybody finds out that you're trying to cut everybody, all the contractors, and all the everybody's pay with all this?" and you know, I guess we'll just go right out to the press and tell them that. And kind of, you know, got the company off their proposal and all that. And he was a, a good strategist and a very, very good trade unionist. Yeah, I tell you, I, I was really in shock when, when I heard about it. And, and now Dave McCall is in charge. You worked with Dave a lot over the years. How do you feel about the future under his leadership there, Pat? Well, I, you know, Dave's a, a great trade unionist, too, and he's uh, – you know, he's been right there with Tom, working with Tom hand in hand. Actually, they came out of the same plant in uh, in Northwest Indiana, the uh, Burns Harbor Bethlehem Steel Plant. They both were millwrights there and worked together closely. And I think Dave was chairman of the grievance committee there, and Tom was uh, one of the committee men. And actually, that's when I first met him was through the Basic Steel Industry Conference. And when we were, I was from Cleveland, they were from Burns Harbor, and we struck together a good relationship. The three of us and. Uh, had a lot of fun. They used to call us Irish Mafia and all kind of other crazy names. But, uh, well, I think we did very well for the industry and and, and worked well together. And I think yeah. Dave will do a wonderful job as president uh, and hopefully uh, lead us into the future. Strong bench there at the Steelworkers, no yep. doubt about that. Well, well, thanks for the stories there and the comments. And you stay safe. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next month, okay, brother? Yeah. All right, thanks, Flash. Happy holidays to all the listeners, and happy holidays to you too, Flash. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the Alliance for Retired Americans and more on National Apprenticeship Week. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.